Okay, and welcome to the latest edition of the Yahoo Finance podcast. I am Miles Udlin, a reporter with Yahoo Finance. I'm joined today by Dan Roberts and Ethan Wolfman, also reporters at Yahoo Finance. And today, we're going to be talking about the issues surrounding Uber, the controversy they've been dealing with over the last couple weeks and even further back into their history, and maybe what's next for the company. Um, so, Dan, let's start with you. If you could just kind of walk us through maybe the groundwork of, of what we're looking at here. So we're talking today. It is Wednesday, June 14th. Quite a bit has happened for the company inside of the last two weeks and even beyond that. But if you could just give us the lay of the land on what has happened to Uber and what kind of Uber is looking at uh, today. Yeah, happily. And it, it's crazy because it's it's a long list. So I'll I'll give you some highlights. I mean, for a while now, it has felt like there's a new Uber scandal every week. Uh, and of course, of, of varying sizes and scope. Uh, so even before, say, January, this was always a controversial company. Uh, there were a number of lawsuits and, and incidents and accusations of harassment in, in cars by drivers. But let's start in February when President Trump tried his first um, instance of this travel ban uh, at JFK Airport. Local taxis were protesting and, and you know, flights were halted. And during that time, Uber promoted its service, said, oh, are you a JFK and need a ride? Don't worry, Uber is operating. And boy, people didn't like that. It was sort of seen as scabbing, basically. That was the hashtag cancel Uber campaign. That's it, delete Uber. Delete Uber. Yep. And uh, supposedly something like 200,000 people did delete the app in the next week or so. Uh, I think over time it it actually, you know, didn't have that huge of an impact, but it certainly was bad optics. And it resulted in Travis, the founder and CEO, uh, stepping down from a Trump business council after a lot of pressure. Uh, In contrast, you know, Elon Musk was on the same council, Mm -hmm. didn't step down at that time, but now has. So that sort of, I'd say, kick-started a bad run for this company of various bad optics and and little scandals here and there. The next major one uh, shortly thereafter was a former employee, uh, Susan Fowler Rigetti, posting a bombshell blog post uh, alleging that multiple times a male colleague harassed her in the workplace. She brought it to HR, and HR basically was deaf to the claims, didn't care, didn't do much, didn't take action, which is really damaging. Uh, and more and more things started trickling out. Uh, days after that, the New York Times had a, a big story about this um, masking program that Uber was using in, in markets where its legal status was uncertain, where Uber was basically showing a, a fake version of the app to people that it had flagged as potential authorities. Call it, and, that was called Grayball, right? Grayball. And, and, you know, they would see that, oh, here are the cars in the area. Well, those cars didn't really exist. And they'd order a ride, and then, surprise, the, the driver would cancel it. And it was just, man, problem after problem. And, you know, you can debate whether the average person on the street cares about these scandals, but, boy, were they adding up. And now bringing us to uh, this week when it all came to a head and, And people wondered, well, you know, what is the CEO, Travis, going to do? And yesterday, just yesterday, it was uh, announced uh, on the release of this report by Eric Holder, uh, former attorney general, that has a number of suggestions for how to change the culture and how to fix the problems there. Uh, A, the board voted unanimously to enact every suggestion in the Holder report. And B, this also included Travis taking a leave of absence. Now, of course, it's important we mention that just by chance uh, in the last month, uh, he suffered a a personal tragedy. His parents were in a a terrible boating accident and his mother died. So in Travis's email to the company, you know, ostensibly he gives that as as the main reason. Uh, And, you know, I'm not questioning that. And, you know, respectfully, that's a horrible thing he has to deal with. But I think also that everyone knows that uh, this wasn't just about that and that 
you know, it's easy to make the argument that uh, he needed to recuse himself. Uh, now the question will be, well, for how long? So in addition to um, Travis Kalanick taking a leave of absence, there are also a number of other high-level openings at the company. Uh, could you sort of rattle them off? I know you have them written down in front of you. It's quite, it's quite a list. It's wild. I mean, the C-suite there has been gutted. So one question is, well, you know, they've got a lot of hiring to do. It goes beyond the CEO. But right now, Uber has no COO, no CFO, no CMO. Is that chief marketing? You're right. No GC, general counsel, important at a much beleaguered new startup that faces regulatory hurdles. No SVP of engineering. And of course, the CEO is on leave. Wild. The, yeah. the big joke here is, of course, that Uber is a, uh, not only looking to make self-driving cars, but they are currently a self-driving company at the moment. Oh, <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, so let's talk a little bit, I guess, about uh, maybe Uber's, you know, their business and kind of the ethos of that business. Dan, you referenced the the gray ball program that they had enacted. I think it was in Portland that it was reported that they started that. Basically, they've always tried to play outside the lines, right? So they've always gone into cities where they didn't have explicit approval, started operating and said, we'll figure it out later. Very few cities, you know, Austin, Texas is the one that comes to mind, have really fought back against the company. Eventually, they just find a way to make it work. Um, and so I think this kind of this culture kind of comes all the way down from we're an aggressive business and then the workplace had its own issues. Um, I guess, Ethan, what are sort of the, the main things that we've, you know, we, we've heard about this for a long time. It's been reported for a long time, but the so-called Holder Report, what are the kind of the main issues that that report brought to light about the company's internal culture? Well, the internal culture obviously uh, was a total mess in having this big masculine uh, driven kind of mindset that really stems from uh, from Kalanick and his uh, uh, the departed uh, Emil Michael. Um, yeah, that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. Senior and, VP of uh, business, I think. Yes, and important we mentioned, that's the exec who back in 2014, BuzzFeed had a big, big scoop, uh, overheard at a dinner party suggesting that Uber hire someone to dig up dirt on journalists that write negative stories about the company. Yeah. And they didn't fire him at that time. The, no. bi the big thing that I see here is... Uh, is Uber has this sort of manifest destiny idea of their business. Uh, their idea is so good and so beloved by the general public because hailing a taxi has literally never been easier and it's going on your phone and hitting that button. Nobody doesn't like that. You know, it's, it's just such a good idea and they think that that gives them this uh, this right to kind of just make that happen no matter what. And that's really gotten them into some serious and serious trouble. Uh, and that sort of attitude of uh, almost being above the law is precisely why we're in this situation. Uh, and that, you know, in the meeting itself, as our, our colleague JP... Um, Mangalinden. Mangalinden, yes. Yeah, yes. As, he, as he managed to scoop, um, there was even some stuff during this meeting about all of this activity. That was more of this activity. Right. Um, one of the board members, uh, David Bonderman, uh, made a sexist joke during this discussion about sexism uh, at this company. It's unbelievable. Just unbelievably tone deaf. And billionaires are not known to be super funny. That was, that was an all-hands meeting, too. It wasn't a board it was meeting. Right. It was right, an all-hands meeting. Uh, and it was made to Ariana Huffington, who was brought in as a high-profile board member that would help fix the company. I mean, it, it's just, it was a reminder that these things you hear aren't just unfair accusations. I mean, because for a while there, people would say, well, well, every Silicon Valley startup has a bro culture. Sure, that's Silicon Valley. Well, no, this company is, is really unique in its aggression and its, uh, you know, dude, bro, sexist 
culture. I mean, and, and it and it needs to change, and clearly hasn't. Um, yeah, and there's sort of the whole issue that um, the valley has become very comfortable over time with empowering the leaders of companies. Now, of course, most of those leaders are men. I think it's worth noting that all three of us here are white men talking about a company that's dealt with a lot of issues of sex or ho- sexual harassment. They have a lot of, they admitted themselves, they have a problem with diversity. And I think this is, you know, endemic, not just to the Valley, probably to corporate America at large. Um, but to that point about, you know, Silicon Valley empowering their leaders to kind of lead the company the way they see fit. Sure, it all works out when it's Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, the company kind of figures it out. And then they bring in Sheryl Sandberg. Right. And she really, um, I mean, f- you know, is really the, the, the corporate ballast at that company. Zuckerberg is, you know, he cares about Facebook, but he's obviously doing his own thing at this point, to, you know, to some extent. Um, and really, Sheryl Sandberg runs the company over there. So I think it's, it's interesting that um, we, we get ourselves to this point where you realize, oh, actually, you know, the one guy that was that was probably a bad idea. And now it perhaps will cause a rethink, maybe kind of across that whole asset class of how do we want to structure these businesses and who who are we happy uh, empowering along the way. And, and the gist the gist of this whole uh, report was really to try to create more diversity and to really fundamentally change what's going on. And it's so insidious that you know we heard reports of the uh, on this tape that uh, our colleague was able to get of the HR. Uh, yeah. an, an HR person, um, a woman, we should say, yeah, making, you know, making f- more light, making other jokes about doing shots, yeah. and uh, right, she was it was a shot for every time um, she, she said bloody, bloody. She's bloody. yeah, yeah. It and was like I know you're you've been updating your resumes, but stay here. We're gonna turn around this company, and we'll bloody fix it. Oops, that's another shot, and it's like, gee, maybe in this crisis management moment. You don't make jokes about the employees drinking. I mean, right? Yeah, and particularly, you know, and then that that was kind of followed. There was a report last night from, um, I believe, the New York Times that said that an, a recruiter at one of the main Fang companies, so that would be Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, had said that if if you work at Uber, that's kind of a black mark on your resume now. So people wow. people wow. know wow. that folks from Uber have been son of, uh, you know, either brought up or indoctrinated in some sort of culture that they would prefer not to bring into their building. And I think that does, to my mind, bring into question what the future of this company is. So in thinking about the future, let's talk a little bit about the business right now. Um, Ethan, I know this is something that you've written about a lot, and that is basically, you know, driver numbers, how many, or, or rider numbers, rather, how many people are still using Uber, Lyft, all these other services, and sort of how has, you know, ride sharing or ride hailing, whatever you want to call it, worked its way into um, our, our baseline as as consumers? Well, right now, uh, it's very clear that Uber is still leading this charge by, by, and by a lot. Um, it's not always so easy to find rider data. A lot of these companies keep it very, very close to their chests. But in New York City, we have the Taxi and Limousine Commission that can give us some data. And, you know, it, the latest data, let's see, this is after some of the these uh, initial scandals, you know, uh, March 25th, you know, Uber was still beating in trips per day. Lyft, you know, al- almost you know 270,000 trips per day versus you know 60 trips per day, 60,000 trips per day in the case of Lyft. So basically, four plus times as many. Trips yeah, I as mean, Lyft. They, they've pretty much they're very close to catching uh, the yellow taxi market uh, in terms of trips per day, which is very very impressive. And if you look at the trajectory of this. It's been very, it's been very steady with you know the the, the seasonal adjustments that you, know, you would normally expect uh, expect to see, and and so that kind of you know that tells you that 
the public does not care nearly as much um, as we may think, despite the delete Uber campaigns and the sort of viral nature of you know every little moment in the in the Kalanick dramas that unfold. And that is, you know, that's not unimportant. So I think that if something does sink Uber, it'll be how this very interesting experiment has played out. It might be a massive success, as, as they said in the meeting last night or yesterday, the, the, you know, the biggest startup ever. Yeah, you know, currently worth, what, I think $69 the, billion? The valuation is $68 valuation. Billion. Now, of course, that's on paper, and I just right. think it's like, it's like pixie yeah. dust. I mean, let's... Keep in mind here, this is a company that still loses money, a lot of money, almost $3 billion last year. Uh, now, in the first quarter of this year, the losses slowed a little bit and the revenue grew. So that's good. It's heading in the right direction. But as Andy Serwer, our editor-in-chief, and I always like to caveat on the live shows when we discuss Uber, everyone wants to talk about the IPO, the forthcoming Uber IPO. Well, who? I don't know. I mean, look at this company right now. We talked about the slew of executives that it's missing. This is not a time to be thinking about going public. That's not a stock I would buy. Uh, let me also say, I know we're only looking at New York City, although that's a really great telling market to look at. But Ethan has this this chart open. You know, we're on audio here, so I want to we'll describe. Put, we'll put the we'll put the post in the show notes. Yeah, so you can yeah. Find the chart. But you know, it it is it is really visually stunning. I mean, this chart shows the past two years, and it's yellow cabs, Lyft, and Uber. And the lift line has slightly gone up. You know, it, it is it has always been going up, but compared to the Uber line, the lift line looks like a flat line. And we're watching, and the Uber line is almost about to intersect with the yellow taxi line, which of course is going down. I mean, it's an amazing thing. But again, this is not a profitable business yet. So we'll see. Yeah. So thinking a little bit about uh, maybe you know consumer sentiment, uh, if you want to call it that, relative to Uber. So uh, basically, people are are now waking up this morning and they go to the New York Times. You know, if they get the physical paper, they're going to see a story about problems at Uber, the fact that David Bonderman, a member of the board of directors, stepped down, all of the controversies outlining that. I think at the top of the FT today was an Uber story. Wall Street Journal had it high up. So, you know, do you guys think that there is a point perhaps at which this does begin to affect consumer behavior? Because, look, Uber is not the first major company to go through some sort of scandal to have bad press, relentlessly bad press, and see their business sort of, you know, carry on. I think we all, you know, I mean, what, go back, how long was it, 15, 20 years ago? We're talking about Nike and how they make their shoes. And I don't really, you know, certainly that impacted Nike in the short term. And people know that's that's the thing about it. But ultimately, uh, the company still produced products and still makes profit and, and, you know, continued on. So do you think there is a point at which this does begin to shift? Or is it kind of so cynical that, well, you know, the average person, to, uh, to your earlier point, just wants to go on the app, get a ride, and not have to worry about it, and that that's such a good business, it's such a good service that they don't really care the you know the ethics involved with using that. I, I think uh, it's maybe best illustrated by that that Trump quote that he could shoot someone on Fifth Ave <laughs> and that people would still elect him president. I think there's something to that with Uber. Their service is so well liked that I I don't really see how consumer sentiment, unless there's truly some giant amazing you know changes that happen. I mean, look, this meeting yesterday was about fixing things. They have, you know, this, this sort of dad figure, um, the former attorney general, coming in to, to fix it. And so that there's at least some semblance of progress, despite uh, the disasters at the meeting in terms of PR. However, I, I think the, the bigger question here 
is actually viability of, of their business. There is so much cash that needs to go into this experiment for it to, to work properly. I mean, the drivers, even with all of this cash, are constantly complaining very rightly about being underpaid, um, getting bad deals through financing, and kind of getting stuck in this Uber trap as a driver. And I think there's, uh, without that workforce um, happy, if they can't stay happy, uh, then that's going to be a major problem. The other thing that if they are happy, does that require more cash from consumers? And then if the customers are upset with more expensive rides, are they going to stop using them in the, the way that they are now? Well, maybe. So I think that uh, because of this, Uber is really betting heavy on this self-driving car thing because that seems to be sort of the only, the only way out of this. And with this lawsuit with Google, you know, that's another wrinkle in things. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the future here. Yeah, so you made reference to it. Um, let's get a little bit of background on what exactly that is. That is a, a, an, an executive at Google, Google's self-driving car unit, which is called Waymo now, left Google for Uber, apparently brought a bunch of documents with them. Um, I've seen people say this could be the intellectual property case of the century based on was he allowed to bring those, is the employee personally liable, all these sorts of things. But it does bring that question of, what is Uber? So they believe that they're sort of a self, um, they're an autonomous vehicle, autonomous service company. They they bought Auto, which is that self, O-T-T-O, yep. a self-driving truck company. They believe that their future is in automated transportation, getting customers and stuff there. Uh, Dan, in your view, I mean, you know, you drive fairly regularly, I think, yeah. up to Connecticut from Brooklyn. Um, what's your view on self-driving cars, self-driving stuff, and sort of how... How far is Uber really trying to roll their vision out into the future, and, and is that a feasible, you know, strategy? Well, it's it's funny as as you correctly said, it, you know, but but this is a relatively new revelation that this isn't just a sort of side project. Uber supposedly wants to bet the farm on this. I mean, I mean, Uber sees the self-driving car tech as its core future, well, they, which they is somewhat of, they stunning. They sort of have to, right? Well, yes. Except, what if this lawsuit results in that being shut down? I mean, then goodbye uh, to those ambitions. But you know, I'm not that bullish on self-driving cars, or at least I guess it's clear that it's coming in some form or another, but I think it will take a lot longer to come than people think, like most technologies that get much hyped and discussed. People said, ooh, the death of plastic, the death of the credit card, you know, uh, Apple Pay. Well, anecdotally, even among my young urban millennial friends who are tech early adopters, none of them uses Apple Pay. I don't use Apple Pay. I don't use my phone to pay for things yet other than sending someone money on Venmo. The credit card is not at all dead. We'll still have plastic credit cards in a decade, I bet you. Well, what so, the banks did yeah. is they changed the plastic to metal and then right. people were more excited sure. about it. Sure, And the chip. Ugh. Yeah. But, um, you know, in that vein, I will say maybe it won't be self-driving car tech. Maybe it'll be something else. But it is smart and correct of Uber to try to be more than a car, you know, ride-hailing More platform. than a taxi company. Sure. And, I mean, look no further than what happened in China. I mean, it's just such a huge market. That was so exciting. Oh, there's so many people there. And they just failed spectacularly. I mean, so spectacularly that in the end, they put the CEO of their biggest rival in China on their board and retreated and waved the white flag. So they can't be just a taxi company if they want to have global success. And again, I, I, I said this earlier, but I think the valuation right now is just silly because right now it is just a taxi app. And most importantly, when we talk about this business, the barriers to entry are still so low. They're solo. We talk about Uber and Lyft only, but there's Juno, which uh, just recently sold to Get, G-E-T-T. -T, and Juno's 
Zone app is still operational, but it's owned by Get. There's Get. There's Via. There are so many of these, and more will crop up. Uh, you know, so so I like to say about Uber. You know, yes, Uber was the first notable startup to come along and say, okay, it's a it's a taxi hailing startup, but it may not be the ultimate winner in ride hailing. Yeah, it might so, be someone else. So to that end, um, you know, that kind of got me thinking about, you know, maybe Uber is the Palm or the BlackBerry to some future iPhone that we don't really yet know about. Um, I know we were talking about this earlier, uh, Ethan. I don't know. I don't think you really uh, agree per se with this with this vision. Uh, I think I'm kind of doing this very simple. You know, here's what happened in the past. Let's apply it to a new situation. Um, so again, you've sort of been steeped in the the user data, which shows that again people are using these companies, particularly Uber, relative to its rivals, in greater and greater numbers. So, you know, given that there's a concern about how, you know, how much money they lose on each driver, given the fact that they're mostly focused on self-driving sort of cars, um, I guess, what's your view on, you know, how how long we're going to be able to go onto our app and, and hail an Uber um, for? Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that the lead that they have, this head start, is, it, it can't be understated here. I mean, the uh, Uber is the standard. People people don't really use Lyft as a verb. People use Uber as a verb. Um, U- Uber is it's true. You know they're they're the standard here, um, and there's good reason for that. The reason why people seem to not like Uber is because they're mean. You know that's oh. that's the downside here. And that's only people very in the know with the news cycle, right? Or people who are just like you know, look, they may be mean, but they're the only people who, who you know. I mean, I was I was in Middlebury, Vermont last week, and. There was an Uber there. There is no other service there. You, yeah, you can go to, call you, a taxi if you want to. You go to every college town in America, and you're gonna <laughs> yeah. you're gonna find an you're Uber. gonna find something. And and so that, you know, that uh, universality, that ubiquity, just, yeah, ubiquity. Yep. The, I, I mean, it's it's just so hard to compete with. And if you think about the losing money situation of it, Uber's problems are not unique here. This is a problem for any company that's gonna say we want to have an app that uh, matches drivers and passengers. And these are cars, they're going to be expensive. There's a reason why taxis in the past have not been that cheap. And you know, it's just VC data, uh, VC money is going to subsidize this until it doesn't anymore. And this is why I think that the uh, self-driving stuff is so vital for this business model because the, uh, the alternative here is prices just go back up. You yeah. know? It, it would seem that self-driving is not, you know, part of a business model, but also part of a fundraising model. That if you can sell people on a vision um, of kind of you know future connectivity, the way we travel, so on and so forth, uh, you would be able to continue to raise money and, and succeed sort of on those grounds. Now, um, it also just yeah. it may not matter if uh, if Lyft or Uber is the first one here because one of these companies could just buy their own fleet. You know, that's important as well. Yeah, well, then you're getting into sort of the, the rental car business, high capital intensity, all that stuff, uh, depreciation and so on. Uh, but let's kind of come back to a more local issue that we started with earlier in the podcast. And Dan, I'll send this to you to finish. Um, the future of Travis. Uh, will he return to the company? He's on a leave of absence. We don't know for how long. He said yesterday in an email to staff talking about Uber 2.0. So this is sort of a transition point for the company. Um, one, do you think he'll come back? And two, if he doesn't, uh, what sort of CEO should Uber be looking for? How are they likely to proceed sort of in a managerial sense from here? Yeah, you know, I, I think Ethan put it well, or maybe it was you or both of you made this point, but tech companies are so influenced and shaped by the persona of the CEO in the early days, of the founder usually. Uh, and often that doesn't work. In some cases it works, you know, Facebook, Zuckerberg, sure, but that's more like an anomaly. I mean, 
it's more common that eventually you, you bring in a real operator and you bring in someone who isn't so emotionally tied to it. I mean, his heart is so tied to it. And, you know, they, they've said before that we're going to change. And do you remember, I didn't mention this earlier in the string of scandals, but a video came out of Travis getting an Uber and getting into an argument with a driver. And he swore and, and he, you know, his, his dander went up and he lost his temper and it was a bad look. And he put out a statement that said, clearly, I need to grow up. And everyone ridiculed that. You're 40 years old. You need to grow up. You know, you should be already. Well, nothing really changed. More scandals came out. Now he takes a leave of absence. Again, he's had this personal loss, yes. But he said in his email to the company, I don't know how long the leave will be. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it's permanent, if he doesn't come back. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, and certainly I, I don't believe that's what he wants. You know, I, I believe he, he doesn't want to leave the company. He doesn't want to uh, cut that tie and, and have to do something else. But the company would be better off, especially if it wants to go public, with someone else's CEO. Uh, you know, call him chairman if you want, or CEO emeritus. Call him an advisor, mm -hmm. but not CEO when he comes back. Uh, what kind of CEO? Maybe look outside of tech. Maybe look for an experienced uh, manager you know, who has run a big public company that isn't and never was a hot, sexy tech startup. Uh, because if you get another person like that, a hard-charging, aggressive, I'm sorry, but it looks like egomaniacal white man, then you might face some of the same problems. Mm -hmm. Well, I've, uh, I've thrown out my pet theory that I think Uber should try to recruit Barack Obama to be the next CEO, <laughs> uh, but I don't know how far that will go. Um, all right, so let's leave it there. I think we could kind of go all day uh, on this topic. We could maybe next time go 40 minutes on Uber's unit economics and why that is a problem for the company, uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Dan and Ethan, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, thank everyone for listening to the Yahoo Finance podcast. You can, of course, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and look for more episodes in the future with myself and other members of the Yahoo Finance team. Thank you.